Praise God, there it goes. Welcome to Bible study. Let's pray. Uh, Brother Velez, would you ask the Lord's blessing? We need his blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for tomorrow. What lies ahead. Father, we ask you to bless this Bible study as pastor teaches your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is also the Reaching Forward podcast. And if you're joining us online, we are in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. We're teaching a Bible study on finishing your race. As it's coming to the end of 2020, and what a year it's been, okay? But the Christian life is also like a race. So in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, we're going to deal with this thought of grace for the race. Grace for the race. What's the difference between a man running and a dog running? A man wears trousers. A dog pants. That's bad. It's 2020 and a lot of people are going through tough financial times and it's, it's uh, so tough that you can finish your prayer if you're going through tough financial times for your food. You can finish your prayer and say what you're going to eat at the same time with one word. So you pray for your food and then you say, Ramen. <laughs> so what we're going to do is start with grace for the race and God bless ramen noodles. I've had enough for a lifetime in the military, but uh, we're going to deal first with strong grace. So 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul writing to that preacher Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, be strong, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's grace for the race. Now in chapter 1, Paul talked to Timothy as his son. And then in chapter 2, Paul talked to Timothy as his son. We find that God also spoke of his son, Jesus Christ. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And in another place, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So God, the Father, affirmed His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's very important that we do that with our kids. That's my boy. Or as I might say, because I don't have a, a boy. That's my girl. And because kids need to be encouraged, so do spiritual kids. They need that grace for the race. There's a race in front of us. Uh, in the Old Testament, you're actually, there was a law in Deuteronomy. So when you get married, you were given one whole year. You didn't have to go join the military. You weren't to be charged with any business to cheer up your wife, to give her grace for the race. And that's what it says, cheer up your wife. And there's a modern, not King James version, but it's a 2020, is happy wife, happy life. Well, that's what it says. It's give you a whole year. Say, well, she should just get over it. Well, the, the Bible says it's our job to give them that grace for the race, to cheer them up. That's why Paul said, My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That the, the kindness of God. In Ephesians, Paul said in chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong. You know, you can listen to church messages. That's good. You can come to Bible study. That's good. But be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And when we come to the house of God, that's what we should be doing is getting focused on, man, what makes me strong? Jesus. Well, I'm going to just listen to Christian music all day. Won't do it for you. 
I'm going to listen to preaching all day. won't do it for you. I'm going to read my Bible all day. It won't do it for you unless you realize where the power source is. It's in the grace of Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace. We're not even saved by faith by itself. We're saved by God's kindness. So we, we know how to get saved. We use faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But it's the grace of God. The kindness of God. In verse 2, it gives us committing grace. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So the Bible says that you're to take this gospel and that you'd pass it on. Pass it on. But it says to commit it to faithful men. I performed a wedding a few weeks ago and it's basically a long drawn out ceremony of commitments. I do. I will. I'll commit whether in sickness or in health, whether for richer or for poorer. And we don't say this, but isn't it true for uh, fatter or for skinnier? I mean, we all change sizes, but it's, it's a commitment. And, and when we're running a race, we need a commitment. And verses 3 to 6, we deal with an enduring race, that enduring grace for the race. It takes endurance. So there's three Christian similitudes. Christians are compared to a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. So let's look at verses 3 to 6. First, as a soldier, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath called him to be a Soldier. See, soldiers live up to a certain standard, right? They sacrifice, they deploy, they go to different countries, they miss their families. But they don't just sacrifice their time, they have a sacrifice to where they live up to a standard. They have to dress a certain way. You know, men, they have to iron things. <laughs> you have to iron your uniform and polish your, your boots, uh, or at least they used to. They were different types of boots now, but the highest metal in the military, it's called the Medal of Honor. Honor! The United States' highest and most prestigious personal military decoration that may be awarded to recognize U.S. military members who have distinguished themselves with acts of valor, which, is means, which means courage. You know what? We're called to live a higher standard. God's Medal of Honor. What is the Medal of Honor? It says, well done. Good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Grace for the race, to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. Grace to be an athlete, an athlete in the Olympic Games. And if a man, verse 5, also strive for masteries. Speaking of an athlete in the Olympic Games. I had this kind of a scratch-off trivia book, and it said, where did the Olympic Games, where were they first held? And, and it said a few different answers, and you scratched off like a lottery ticket. You scratched off the answer to see if you were right. And so I scratched off, I think, Athens. Word of course, right? Ancient Athens. That's where it was like Athens and Sparta. Well, it was wrong. The first Olympic Games was in Olympia. That's why it's called Olympia, Greece, right? So, duh, I got it wrong. But anyway, so he is not crowned unless 
except ye strive lawfully. There are rules in the Olympic Games, and you are disqualified if you break the rules. And it's the same with God. We've got to go according to the rules, and in the Olympics, they're going for the gold. There was a typical day of a young person, not much older than some of our folks in the children's church. Her name was Megan Kwan, Q-U-A-N-N. And she used to live where I went to Bible school. There was a sign that said, Home of Megan Kwan on a Meridian, which is a main street like Blanding Boulevard. And so you drive down there, it says, Home of Megan Kwan. Well, here's her typical day. 3.30 a.m., wakes up, dressed, Gets dressed and packs school supplies. 5 a.m. to 6.20 a.m. Carpools 20 miles from Puyallup to Eatonville. Pool for morning workout. 7.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Attends junior high school. 2.30 p.m. Returns home for one hour of schoolwork. 3.30 to 4.30. Works out with weights at a local gym. 6 to 8 p.m. Carpools to Federal Way for a second pool workout of the day. 9 p.m. returns home for dinner and sleep. So at 6, well, why would she sacrifice so much? She's not watching much TV that day. She was going for the gold. At 16 years old, she was part of our Olympic team. And she won in the 2000 Olympics two gold medals. 16-year-old girl. Grace for the race to go for the gold, one for a relay and one for an individual event. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. And then Paul said, so run that ye may obtain. It's like we have to look at this Christianity sometimes like, man, it seems like there's so much going on, but I'm going for the gold. I'm going to make it to heaven. I've got a made up mind. In verse 6, and we see a farmer, a Christian compared to a farmer, a husbandman. The husbandman that laboreth must first be partakers of the fruits. A farmer tills the ground according to the laws of agriculture, right? And then we have to do things that the farmer has to sacrifice. He has to invest, but he reaps a profit. And the Bible says we reap what we sow. I don't believe that it's a waste of time to pray. I don't believe it's a waste of time to do other things. In, in the Christian race, and we'll get to that in a little bit, uh, there are things that are profitable. Those are profitable things because you'll reap what you sow spiritually. And it might not be right away, but you know what? You don't plant crops and they come up right away. You don't invest money unless it's a Ponzi scheme, right? Because you're not making it back. That's a, it's fake. It takes a while. It takes a while for things to grow. And then Paul said, consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. So he said, being a farmer, being an athlete, being a soldier, think about it. These things pointed the minister to the example of the believer. Now, Timothy, he said, consider a life of high standards. You know, if you buy a car, no one goes and like, ooh, let me check out that standard edition. Woo! Nice, three-cylinder engine, roll-up windows. No one wants that. What do we want? Limited edition. Roush edition. GT. You know, there's all these editions. Black edition. Harley edition. You know, I don't... There's all kinds of editions, but what are they? They're special. I think Ford has one called King Ranch. You know, it's one of these uh, 
highfalutin or lariat. It used to be lariat edition. And it had all of these extra things. It was a higher model. We Christians, we should be the gold edition. We should be living, you know, for that gold medal, that medal of honor. We should be going for the gold in our athlete, in our athletic pursuit. We should be looking for fields of gold or crops so that wheat coming up that that's right on the harvest. Gold. You know, it's, it's uh, high standards are attractive. They're attractive in us. If we carry ourselves like a lady or like a gentleman, you'll be treated as such. I remember we went to Walmart some time ago when they had opened up doors before. And I remember, I think it was my wife and I were walking in and, and this guy just he came out of nowhere and opened the door up for my wife. He just like, let me get that door for you. We, I don't think we were dressed for church, but if you carry yourself a certain way. Now, he wasn't opening the door for me. But if you have high standards, people will treat you as such. Verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And we've got to keep that in the forefront of our mind because we can be faint wearied and faint in our minds, the writer says in Hebrew. But we have to remember, wait a second, if I ever get tired in the race, I need the grace for the race to say, wait, Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus has the power over all of the situations. So, well, where there's life, there's hope. Well, actually, Jesus messed up a perfectly good funeral. Jesus could actually, when things were dead, he could make them alive. Jesus Christ, there's no limit to what Christ can do. And Paul was telling Timothy, hey, when you get down and everything looks, just remember, Jesus was raised from the dead. You heard it from me. And he said, wherein I suffer trouble. He said, I'm going through it. As an evildoer, even unto bonds, I'm in the pokey. I'm in, the, I'm in prison. But the word of God is not bound. I'm thankful that you can't bind the word of God. So they don't have prayer in schools. I've heard it's as long as there are tests, there will be prayer in schools. Kids are going to pray, okay? Therefore, I endure all things. He's got that grace to endure, doesn't he? For the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He had a made-up mind, knowing that we're all going to face eternal consequences to make sure people have a chance to be saved. Now, it's not my job to get people saved. Only Christ can save people. Only Christ can heal people. But it's the preacher and by extension, the Christian's job, goal in this race to let other people know that, hey, there's another way you can do things. And that's Jesus Christ and him crucified in your life doing a work of grace. It is a faithful saying. There's some faithful sayings here. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. There are some reaping for the race. If we suffer... We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, I like this, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, those, those people that you preach with, charging the people that you preach to, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. This means that there, uh, there are people, the word subvert comes from the Greek word catastrophe. It means to overturn, overthrow, or catastrophe. It means that there are some people that overthrow the faith of people by 
bringing up stuff that doesn't even matter. They get people, have you ever gone off on a tangent before? You say, well, well, what about women wearing heels? Who cares? You know, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. And people will get into that. You'll be at churches and they'll say, well, you can't be saved if you wear open-toed shoes. And I'm just making that up. But there are little, I guess my wife, going straight to hell, right? But some people will begin to believe that. And we'll, we'll see a few uh, examples of what people say. And, uh, and it will overthrow the faith of young people. They just need a lot of encouragement when they're new in Christ. Hey, brother, we're praying for you. Sister, we're praying for you. Read your Bible. Pray. Just come to church. We get enough battles anyway. In fact, you don't get into a battle until you become a Christian. Then you get in a battle. Because before that, you were on the devil's team. You weren't in a battle. But when you get on God's team, you begin to see all these competing voices coming against you. And you're like, what in the world? You just join the, the game down on the field right now. There's be- you know, stuff going on. So we need the truth of God's grace. Verse 15. Grace for the race. Great verse of scripture. A key verse of scripture. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I like what the late New York Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan said. He said, everyone is entitled to his own opinion, but not his own facts. (laughs) You know that the fact of God's word is important. The truth of God's word is important. I've heard it said, to make it to heaven, do three things. Pray, read your Bible, and do what you know to do. And that's going to be different in everyone's life, right? As we grow in grace. But you know, some things you do as a Christian is to avoid certain things. God, you learn God's like, hey, walk around that. Don't just, just go on around. You don't even need, you don't even need to, to, to see that. You don't even need to get involved in that. Verse 16, the truth of God's word will give us some wisdom to avoid certain things. But shun profane and vain babblings. Like, you know the comment section? I, I like to read it for fun, okay? To me, it's like a, a mild form of entertainment. In the news, they'll have the news article and then they'll have the comments. And they're like, depending on what the news article is, a hundred, a thousand comments. And the news article is like two paragraphs, right? But then it just goes off on tangents and all of these uh, you know, people chime in with all of these explosive incendiary comments. You know, the Bible says, when it comes to talking about Jesus, avoid profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Uh, it is, well, what about uh, categorizing sin? The Bible said it's even a shame to speak of things that are done of people in secret. Just stay away from it. Someone said, even talking about our old lives, you know, that uh, you have to be careful what you talk to your children about about sin and the things that you did in sin because if you talk about it and laugh about it enough, your kids are going to be like, wow, I'm going to go try that because my parents did it and they turned out all right. But we want to just avoid certain things. Just keep it really broad. Yeah, daddy did some things that weren't so good, but God's, God's faithful and God, God cleaned us up and it's good to serve him. The Bible said in their word will eat as doth a canker like gangrene. And it gives two, two people, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. So it said that these two people, excuse me, who concerning the truth have erred. So they had wrong teaching. 
saying that the resurrection is past already and have overthrown the faith of some. Hey, brother, you missed the rapture. You're with, uh, um, what's the name? What's that? Kirk Cameron. You're with Kirk Cameron, left behind, okay? Yeah, and, and no, but that's not the truth. But it said he overthrew the faith of some. Now, there's some would say this, that you cannot be unsaved. Once you're saved, you're saved forever. But why would Paul write that? Because you're saved by grace through faith, but their faith was overthrown. They'd be like, well, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. If God's going to do that, if he's going to leave me, it's possible to overthrow the faith. You see, we can only act on the truth that we know. Some people don't know the truth. If you know the truth, it'll set you free. But these people were being told by Hymenaeus and Fletus that Jesus has already taken his church away. You're just out here just, you know, going to church just for your own benefit. And we can only, but you see, we can only act on the truth that we know. There was a preacher in the New Testament that he, uh, he had to be, he taught what he knew, but he, he, he needed to be instructed in a, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He needed to be instructed in certain things. He just didn't know. And sometimes if we don't know things, it can have some funny consequences. So we act on what we know. We're not trying to make mistakes, but if we just don't know and haven't been shown the truth. See, we need to rightly divide the word of truth. And so I was in San Diego and I was driving down broad daylight in a, you know, and I know how to drive safely, somewhat. And so someone came the other way and honked at me. And I'm like, well, that wasn't very nice, but whatever, you know. And then another person honked at me, coming the other way and honked at me. And I'm like, you know, I was thinking these people aren't very nice down here in San Diego. And uh, then after a little while, there are a lot of one-way streets in San Diego. I didn't know that. I didn't know the truth. You see, if you're ignorant of something, it's not because you're an idiot. You just don't know until I saw, you know, the big glaring sign basically said, you you fool. But it said one way, you know, in your wrong way or something like that. And I'm like, whoa. And so then I was informed. But you know what? You can't blame people that don't know about you. They just don't know. They're driving the one down the wrong way of the street, waving at everybody and wondering why everybody's honking at you and everything. And there's people like that. They just don't know the right way to live. They're just doing the best they can. And uh, But say, a preacher, what do you do when you fail? I think it's good for people to fail sometimes because you can reframe failures with grace. One man said, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. And I, I share that. That's a funny story. Uh, but if you want to impress someone, tell them about your successes. Tell them about all the, you know, the money that you made. But if you really want to impact someone, tell them about your failure. Tell them about something that you learned from. You know, your testimony is such a great thing because it takes the failure of sin in your life and talks about what Jesus did to change you. A testimony is a powerful, powerful thing. But it includes something called failure. Failure is okay. When you're learning, sometimes you're failing. But you don't fail to grow. The Bible says, but grow in grace. I learned something. There's one-way streets in San Diego. I've told it all over the place. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. God will help us to grow in grace. Grace for the race. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Man, I like that. 
God knows them that are his. So I'm a Christian. You know what? That's good. But God also knows who his people are. God knows. And, you know, we can't tell God anything. God knows. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, which is known sin. That's part of growing. And God will, God will deal with our heart. I know because he's dealt with my heart over the years about stuff. And just kind of get rid of it. And it's, it's really especially amazing when you first get saved. It's just like, whoa. It's like you realize you're driving down the, run, the wrong way on the one-way street, right? So I over, many people overdo it when they get saved. They start like, you know, I don't know. I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? But I can't eat pork. Well, yes, you can. You see, that's where you need the truth. You can eat pork. If you don't want to eat pork, I don't particularly like pork. I do like ribs. My daughter doesn't eat meat except for pork. You know, bacon and salami and pepperoni and anyway so it's a pork type of house my house but but in verse 20 grace to be sanctified i only got a few minutes and but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but also of wood and of earth some to honor and some to dishonor there's all kind of vessels what you know how you know what a container is in your house you know what the container is by what goes in it I heard Reverend Kinson say that. That's so true. You would never cook food in a bedpan, right? That's not the type of pan that you cook in. But we want to be the right kind of container for the thoughts. We want to be the right kind of spiritual container for the attitudes, the words, the spirit. Why? Because you know what it is by what you put in it. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he should be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. And then it says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Verse 23, grace to be wise, grace for the race, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. Someone ever asked you just a silly question about being a Christian. What do you think about this? You know what you should do? Just ask them. Because they don't want your opinion anyway. They want their own opinion repeated back to them with the way that you sound. So just ask them. Say, wow, what do you think? And just let them say what they think. Because that's all they really care about anyway. Don't get into a shouting match about something that will not mean any difference. Just avoid it. Say, what do you think? Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Verse 24 to 26, the last, grace to teach. Grace to teach. Remember, we're going to spread it. There was an American runner named Ryan Hall. He said, God spoke to his heart and said, I've given you a gift to run with some of the best guys in the world, but I gave you that gift so that you could help other people. And the servant of the Lord, verse 24, must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Because we're our own worst enemies sometimes. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. That's why it's so hard for people to get saved, because they're fighting themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And so, grace for the race. Now, if on page 206 in the hymnal, there's, I'd like to close with this. There's a song and it's called Amazing Grace. But I want you to listen to the grace for the race that was given to the writer of that song. It's the third verse. So he writes, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, 
I have already come. Sounds like a race, doesn't it? He said, I've been through pitfalls, problems, hang-ups, battles. Notice, tis grace, or it is grace hath brought me safe thus far. And then a proclamation, and grace will lead me home.